If you love Sports Bazaar, why wouldn't you want to sign up to Bazaar Plus, our membership program, for even more episodes? Just go to the link in the show notes to sign up. It's Sports Bazaar. There's a lot to like in this story. It's getting more ridiculous as it goes on. The hunt for the weirdest. What are you talking about? Are you serious? What? So many questions. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you here. <laughs> Strangers. This is a masterpiece of stupidity. It's going to get stranger and stranger. I'm quite exhausted. Most unbelievable. If you wrote this as a movie, people wouldn't believe Stories it. Stories to ever occur. An epic tale of woe, joy, nutty behaviour. The fact that it's not more well known is just the strangest. Thing. In the world of sport. This is going to get juicy here, isn't it? We should open a window or something. <laughs> Sports Bazaar. How many testicles did he have? Eight. I'm <laughs> running naked down a major street in Chicago. <laughs> this, of course, is the last time organised crime and boxing have crossed over. Got up in a press conference. We're here to announce we've swapped our wives. What is going on? It's time for the leaders of the hunt. Not household names for me. It's surely a red flag. It's Titus O'Reilly. And Mick Malloy. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Sports Bazaar with myself, Mick Malloy, and, of course, Titus O'Reilly. I'm frightened to ask what you bring <laughs> to the table this week after last week's monkey testicle fiasco. We had monkey testicle, then we had 900 Paris Yes, yeah, That's right, that's right. Someone yes. wrote to us this week and said that you and I were like a, an old couple who've got our spark back. <laughs> Maybe we should do this podcast with blankies on our knees. It is the monkey testicles. That it... We've crossed the line. What have you got for us this well, week? Well, this one is its a very different one. I think you'll know this story, but we'll, we'll build up to it. And it's one of the stories that just, no matter how many times I've heard this, yep. it's just so eye-opening to what sport can be like. Yep. So we're going back to November 2000 and we're going to the German city of Bonn, which is famous for... You know, birthplace of Beethoven. Steeped in history. Steep in history, formal capital of West Germany, all this. And a curious package shows up in Bonn, which in right. itself isn't rare, I would okay. imagine. I mentioned this as a major city. So far, so good. Bonn is less famously the headquarters of the Paralympics. Okay. And this package shows up <laughs> at the Paralympics headquarters. At the time, the Sydney Paralympics had just finished. Yes. And you might know where I'm going with this I story. I just love this story for so many reasons. <laughs> so they didn't realise the package importance, right, when it shows up because they're all celebrating how well the Sydney Paralympics have gone, which is one of the biggest ever. And you got to remember, it's a huge step, the Paralympics and the growth of it, mm. to now be a, a significant, huge event globally. Yeah. You know, um, right up there with the World Cup and the Olympics themselves. Sure. And sort of yeah, size it's... and money flow into it and everything is amazing because they started in the aftermath of World War II, the Paralympics. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people know the Olympic, the Special Olympics and the Paralympics and don't know the difference. Please explain. Well, the Special Olympics were more set up for people often with disabilities and things like that, but it was much more let's get everyone together and have fun. Right. The Paralympics is pure competition. Hardcore no one, competition. No yeah. one there wants pity or they've come, pure, to, win. They've come to win. They're just pure athletes. Mm. And so it's all started in 1946. There was a neurologist called Dr. Ludwig Gutmann. He organized a competition in England for athletes using wheelchairs because right. so many of them had come back from the war injured and he was looking after them. He was rehabilitating people. So he invented these games. He himself had escaped Germany. Yes. He was a doctor, a Jewish doctor in Germany mm -hmm. before the war started, which wasn't a great place to be. No. And in early 1939, just as the wars kicked off, he thought, I'm in trouble here. But the Nazi party, I don't think fully knew who was Jewish at this stage, said, we want you to go treat our friend, the Portuguese dictator Salazar, a friend of his, because his, 
Not okay. well. Can you go? So he got to Portugal and legged it. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> you want me to get out of here? All <laughs> right. Wait a check, please. <laughs> so it was just like this. So he got to Portugal, legs it to London. London said, we'll grant you sanctuary because yeah. this was long before Brexit. They liked welcoming people <laughs> <laughs> from yes, overseas. Yes, yes. He hosts some of these first ones in 1946. These are the para? Paralympics. Yeah. So the first one's just some games between people with wheelchairs and sure. stuff, you know, and but it was sort of got the, the seed of starting this yep. movement. And by 1960, just 14 years later, the first official Paralympic Games occurs. They're in Rome. 400 athletes from 23 countries go it's starting to really grow. By the 2000 Games in Sydney, many years later, it's got 4,000 athletes, 127 countries competing across 551 events across 20 different sports. So yeah. it's huge. Opening, closing ceremonies. It's, it's the, whole the full thing. kit and caboodle. Suddenly there's money, there's sponsorship, there's television deals. It's, you know, a huge thing. So there's, there's pressure as well. So this package arrives in Bonn just after the Sydney Olympics, which are just huge Olymp- yes. Paralympics. They open up this box, the people in the Paralympic officers going, what is this? And then they find a Spanish Paralympic uniform, a gold medal from the Games, and 150 pounds, which was the exact amount each athlete was given while at the Games to sort of feed them and do stuff like that. And so they start thinking, why has this, yeah, why has this box got, someone's given up their gold medal to gold medalists that's done that. It should be above the mantelpiece or behind glass. Straight to the pool room. Straight to the pool room. (laughs) You know, it's like thing. So it took a while to actually figure out what this is. So to get to how this box showed up, let's go back to a guy, one of my favourite people in sport ever, and I think you're going to really like this guy. His name was Fernando Martin Vicente. Okay. So he was a man of many lengthy titles and significant powers across Paralympic sport. He was the head of the Spanish Federation for Mentally Handicapped Sports. He was the president of International Sports Federations for Persons with Intellectual Disabilities. He was the vice president of the Spanish Paralympic Committee and a member of the International Paralympic Committee. So you think about it like... He's wearing a few hats. (laughs) His business card was like... Yes, that's right. <laughs> it was pretty big. He was also the father of a child with an impairment and he'd founded the National Association of Special Sports all the way back in 1975. And basically he'd do anything to advance Paralympic sports. So he many was ways, pushing it. He's pushing it. And, you know, you can see where he's coming from, right? In, in many ways, his motives were good. Okay. Some of what he does <laughs> is less of that. All so right. there was an argument as well, even before this all went down, that it wasn't all purely his involvement in Paralympic sport wasn't all benevolent because he owned a yacht, eight cars, Porsches, all that sort of stuff. He had five houses and at least half a dozen large pieces of land. So it had been sitting on all these bodies had been yes. very lucrative for him. He'd also been a Madrid city councillor. That didn't make him much money. The newspaper, Spanish newspaper El Mundo says that his roles across all these sports with disabilities, portfolios and stuff, had made him a $5 million pound fortune. So There you go. So the Paralympics. He's a mogul. He's a Paralympic mogul. So this thing, the money is important because for Vicente, suddenly Paralympics started off as a way of rehabilitating World War II veterans. By this point, it's big business. Sure. You know, it's a serious focus and everything. So he's got huge sponsorship deals with multinationals like Telefonica and BBVA, which is a big bank. Um, And they're always front of mind because if Spain do well at the Paralympics, the money comes in from government and from sponsors. As it is in the normal Olympics. Yeah, and if they do badly. Yep, yep. So that cycle of four years, 
like a lot okay. of pressure. So he's always looking at that. And he's always found ways to sort of keep pushing the success for Spain. So in preparing for the 2000 Games, Vicente, his eyes turned towards a new category that's been allowed into the Olympics. And for the first time ever, basketball for the intellectually disabled is going to be included in these right. games. Now, for people who are intellectually disabled, the rules of the sport weren't changed that much. So the games were a little bit shorter in length and the lines were moved in a little bit yeah. on the court, but that was it. In every other way, the rules were exactly the same as basketball. The only major difference was to qualify, players needed to have an IQ below 70. So that's the official measure. The cutoff line, sure. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, yeah. just 2% of the American population meet that criteria. Right. right. Although it doesn't stop you becoming president. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's yeah, a bonus. Yeah. So you're talking a very small group of people, right? So that's sort of the thing. This is the first time because mentally impaired athletes had been, they'd first been allowed to compete in the Paralympics in 1996, only four years before. Mm -hmm. And that had been a huge step for the Paralympic yep. Committee because if someone's missing an arm, sure. it's hard to fake. You know, these things are a there lot. There it is. The empirical know, evidence is suggests yeah. that you have a handicap. Most of the things they've dealt with impairments before mm. are physical. They can be sighted. They can be measured easily. You know, there's yes. angles, degrees, all that sort of stuff. So sure. it's not struggling to prove it. Yeah. But the problem they suddenly have with this and why they've only done it in, in 1996 is that faking your impairment mentally is easier to do to pretend you're more right. mentally impaired than you are. Okay. So can you see the idea <laughs> I, forming I here? I know where you're going with this. <laughs> it's so, incredible. So they start to look at this and you think, well, okay, but surely that being the case, you would assume, therefore, knowing that it's harder to just be able to measure and test and prove, that there would be a, a more intense vetting process, you would assume, would be in right. place, you know, to do that. And that's the first mistake anyone would make because there was no official test or review so I have to come up with in one. place. Well, they just left it to the individual countries to just basically say, yep, that guy's mentally impaired. <laughs> that's how they basically sewn into this is a recipe for disaster. Sure. But at the same time, people would think, yes, but why would you cheat at the Paralympics? What motive? How badly do you want to win a medal? Yeah, at the Paralympics uh, is the, my question to yeah, you. Because, well, how how when, much does it mean to you, to national pride? Well, th this is the difference too is, you know, some cheating you can understand. So Lance Armstrong wins the Tour de France, you become a multimillionaire mm. and you get to date Cheryl Crow. <laughs> <laughs> tick. Tick, tick. I'm in. You can see. I only have one testicle, but that's enough <laughs> to satisfy Cheryl Crow. I would... I would <laughs> Sacrifice my left testicle That's to be in this position. How we bring up testicles two podcasts in a row? No, here we go. It's a motif. So, so that's the sort of thing like where that just shows you that the pressure on the bodies that run these sports is because the money is coming in now, and because Paralympics for the athletes so competitive. Athletes will do almost anything normally, you know, to win, whether they're disabled or not. They're going to try and win, right? So there was, yeah. they'd been cheating in the Paralympics before, but this is one where it's a lot harder because they suddenly don't put anything in place. <laughs> the determination of if someone is going to be classed as mentally impaired 
heads, I remember under 70 IQ, is left to the countries. Who, well, there's your first mistake. I know. Who there's are, the first loophole. Well, and this also happens in the Olympics a little bit with the drug testing. Like Russia's whole thing is they were doing all their drug testing yeah. and kept clearing everyone outside of the Olympics right. in the off years. And eventually the Olympics said, well, we need to review this. But, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but for a long time the Russians <laughs> were marking their own homework, Tick. right, yep. you know. So they were meant to review, or the country's meant to review every bit of readily available information, including educational documents and doctors and psychological assessments and all this sort of stuff. But this works about as well as letting the bank self-regulate, right? Like <laughs> it, it, in that it just doesn't it's work. Open to abuse. Yeah. I, I mean, we've all been in this situation. Remember when you're at school and the teacher would say, I'm going to spot out and then you just, everyone be quiet. And like, yeah, hell on sure. that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no worries. We'll do that. This is what starts to form in Vicente's mind, which is what if he finds decent amateur basketballers and gets them to pretend to be mentally impaired? So fake how intelligent you are. Yes. So basically he wants to teach them to fake being mentally impaired. Wow. But they're actually quite good at basketball. Dumb it down. Really dumb it down. (laughs) So this is sort of – it's the reverse of reality TV where – Dumb people try and pretend to be smart. That's (laughs) (laughs) so he thinks I just need to find willing accomplices, like people who are willing to do able bodied athletes who are prepared. Yep. So they're able bodied and they're mentally have no impairment. So, you know, they can think steps ahead and things like that, which is the difference between a lot of like this is the thing that some of the basketball coaches point out later on in this is they say the way they moved and and passed the ball to each other and knew what they were doing and spacing and all this. If you're mentally impaired, and the whole reason you have this sport for mentally impaired people is there's things like that that they can't do. It's beyond mm. them. So, you know, it's a different game. But this is uh, – so you're going to have a big edge if you've got people who really – That's right. Think several steps ahead, do all these different things, right? So he thinks, well, how can I – you know, if I can find willing accomplices, <laughs> I can then get the necessary approvals all ticked off by all the organising committees I – Oversee and the medical certificates can just be faked and we can do all of that. And suddenly, like, the idea is we could really do well in this this sport. So it's an innovative thinking that you don't usually find outside of sort of a a bank or Cricket Australia. And the hard (laughs) bit, though, is you'd think would be finding – I mean, wouldn't you think – Someone willing to do it. Well, if someone says to you, how would you like to stop a Paralympian who's truly a Paralympian winning their dream of a gold medal – for you to sneak it. I mean, who's I'm listening. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm prepared to. <laughs> how, as I said, how badly do you want to win I a medal? <laughs> all right. Yep. The thing is, you'd think this is really hard to find people to go along, but depressingly, it just wasn't. No. This is the bit the that depresses up. me the most, right? So it raises an obvious question, which I want to put to you, which is an awkward one of how to answer this is how much money would it take for you? to agree to crush the dreams of an intellectually impaired Paralympian? Which is a question you probably didn't expect waking up this morning to be asked. I'll write a number down on a piece of paper and I'll slip it to you and then you can write another number and slip it back. Yeah, you're but, smart enough to go, I'm not giving you the opening bid. You no, know. Do you get your agent to do it? Is your agent doing it on your behalf? Go, I know. Well, I tell you what, how dumb do you want him? <laughs> how far has he got to go here? Well, because the um, thing is, when you think about it, you know, you don't know the market rate for this. You don't know the market rate no, that's right, yeah. for defraud the Paralympics, right? Like, it's you no know, precedent. So, there's no precedent. So you're, you're, you know, thinking about that. And 
it's embarrassing because you don't want to charge too much and price yourself out of the market. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because <laughs> that would be right. embarrassing, wouldn't it? That would be terrible. But also you don't want to price yourself too low and then find out when you're playing. Then, yeah, you say the guy giving it away. How, much, how much are you doing this for? And it would be disrespectful to the impaired guy's position who you took. <laughs> I mean, if you're doing it for small coin, <laughs> think of him. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So all you right. really want to know that it's going to be going all right because the morale of the team needs to know you're all on similar money, I think, to, to make it work. <laughs> so luckily the 10 men who signed on all agreed that to do this was about 150,000 euro each, which works out to about 240,000 Australian dollars each. Quarter of a million. So if you get, ever get asked... And, to do, and potentially a gold medal, I would have thought. And you get a gold medal and you get a trip to Sydney. You live in the high life. Isn't that good though? Any of us who's listening to this podcast, has always been an educational podcast. If you ever get asked this now, you know where to, you know where, what to charge. <laughs> they all sign up and they're told that the other way they say is, one, here's a lot of money. Two, they say, which is the oldest trick in the book, you'll know this one, mm. every country does it. It's okay. You're doing nothing wrong. You're playing against the same guys. No one <laughs> is intellectually impaired. So they're dumbing it down too. Yeah. Don't you worry. Don't you worry right. that it's all normal. It just what it actually is about, you're actually helping Paralympic sport because by putting on a better spectacle and winning, you'll attract more money into the yeah. coffers of the sport and therefore that's better for the intellectually do that. So they give this revert this kind yeah, of sure. twisted logic of while they do it. Once the team's assembled, they actually start training. <laughs> which has to be the most pointless. Have they decided what their IQs are yet, though, or do they all have to have the same IQ? Or are they ranging in high 60s to low 60s? Yeah, well, I think they, they range it like, and yeah. I assume there's a, a, a I think I'm the 50 that they stopped counting, basically. <laughs> it's like I knew a few guys that went to school and they got their end of school, you know, you get a score. It's all called different things depending on what state you're in. <laughs> but there was this point where it, it just went like 40 or less or something. Like it, you didn't actually... I've like seen that scene from <laughs> Reservoir Dogs where they argue over who's Mr. Pink and who's Mr. Blue. You go, well, why can't I have an IQ of 68? Why does mine have to be 59? He's a 62. I know. Yeah. <laughs> they actually get sort of taught how to come across. Oh, my God. And there's a point where... What, you mean they take, like, acting classes? Well, it's more like que how you would answer certain questions or not answer, and then they're also a few These times... are like Hollywood actors who play <laughs> characters yeah, with a disability? <laughs> Yeah. Who do you get in? You get in. Yeah, it is. It's taking the roles, right? Like, oh you know. my god! So we're going to teach you <laughs> how to have a slight. Yeah, how to like you know. And so there's one bit where two guys apparently, when they're being driven around in Sydney in the back of the one of the buses, so there's these shuttles that go around, you know, that drop athletes off at places and everything. A few of these Spanish basketballers are sitting in the thing, and two of the guys are having a chat, and like the level they're talking at. They're talking about, you know, life and what's going on. And one of the other guys turned around and go, mate, you've got to stop talking. Yeah. Like, this is not a conversation that people with this IQ can, are having. Can right? you forest gump it up a <laughs> yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you they're literally being So they all have a backstory? Like, you know, you were injured in the war, you got hit in the head by a shell. I don't you, think they went to that level. You, you, yeah, but I'd like You watch back to back <laughs> episodes of Two and a half men. That's your. <laughs> I watched all season. Yeah. <laughs> I did a marathon. Uh, you. I like how your first thing is you're like an actor. What's my motivation? What's my guys? motivation? What's my backstory? How dumb am I? Is <laughs> <laughs> dribbling too much? I don't know. Where am I? Sean Penn takes a class on how to. <laughs> it's like. I'm getting paid so well, I'm going to do a great job for you sure. guys. I'm really going to learn my role. 
you know, she need me to talk with the oh Liz. What am I doing? Um, am I like Lenny from Mice and Men? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching a lot of. I've been doing my research. Could I be like a Rain Man where I appear <laughs> dumb, but I'm actually I can count cards? Yeah, I'm just really good at one thing. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I've watched Rain Man eight times preparing for this game. Um, so they start training. So they have practice or rehearsal. What's more important for these guys? <laughs> Come on, guys, get um, into character. Yeah, was it three-point shooting or are we going to sit around and do backstory? <laughs> so they actually start trading. Uh, some of the players even participate in warm-up tournaments to get right. ready, which is, okay. to me, an insane level of dedication to when you're, you know, you're effectively going to just be so much. It's like if you and I knew we were going to go play cricket against a bunch of six-year-olds. Yeah. So we went uh, down to uh, the nets. Just, just to make sure. Just to get our eye in. Like. It's like the Globetrotters <laughs> going, look, we've got the Washington Generals this week, but you never know, they might just jump. <laughs> Us. Can we practice extra hard? But by Stop the way, that's, around, guys. that's just as big a cheat. The Washington Generals. I'm pretty sure. You reckon what? That, that it's not. Well, I don't want to use the word rigged. You reckon it's rigged? I'm just saying they haven't won for a long time. I know, now. but when I you, mean, and they seem to lose it. I mean, next year you're going to be telling me wrestling's not real too. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think the IQ is genuinely <laughs> under 70 in that department. So we're, we're they're doing warm up tournaments. They've warmed up for and the they're ready. Paralympics. And in the warm up tournaments, they win by a fair bit. <laughs> You'd be surprised to learn. So they're coming in hot. Yeah. So then we get to the 2000 Sydney Paralympics. So mm. they've kicked off. The Sydney Olympics have just been on. Huge event. Yeah. Massively successful. The Sydney 2000 Paralympic Games are just as well received. Yes. Really well done. Uh, that In that year, it was the second biggest sporting event in the world that year. This gives you the idea of the size of it. Yeah. There's sponsorship deals with Visa and Nike and all these sort the big of leagues. things. Yeah, it's it's three weeks after the Summer Olympics and so it's huge things. For the inaugural basketball for the intellectually disabled tournament, eight countries were involved. Russia, always uh, okay. above board, Poland, Japan, Brazil, Australia, Greece and Spain. Okay. So they're the, t- they're the ones. Alongside the 10 players and the Spanish team participating in the scam, Yes. So 10 of the players, there are another two who did actually meet the IQ requirements. So they kind of kept two in to right. sort of be able to – but 10 out of the 12. They, they bought the doctor's certificates. Yeah, they're the ones, they're that, the ones yeah, yeah. that you They did the press there. conferences to make sure no one stuffed up. But well, they're in the starting five at least. Now, very quickly becomes clear that having a team of people without intellectual impairments – Gives you a real advantage when playing against a team of people who do have them. Isn't that surprising? We never needed, oh you know. I don't think we needed to test this, but it was. It's nice we know. And so, in the first game against Portugal, the Spanish were up by thirty points at halftime, right? Leading the coach to warn his players, lads, easy tigers, move down a gear, or they'll figure out you're not disabled. That's his halftime. <laughs> That's speech. his address. Take a knee, boys. Look. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. Stick the ball up your jumper or something and run around in circles just yeah. for a minute. Come <laughs> like on. He's literally having to go, you need to calm down, guys. You just <laughs> stop the dunking. <laughs> and it's just such a male thing. You're actually doing a fraud. But, but you can't. Still, it's still so much fun to dunk on someone or to like be a bit of a sports hero. Like it is, it is exactly the dad at Christmas who's playing cricket in the backyard and he's just, hoiking him. He's he just has to hoik one because you know, <laughs> and he, and still feels sort of good even though it's his 
five-year-old son bowling. You know, that's like, right. There's something always fun about that. Who else is in this in the conspiracy? So there's ten players. It's a bit limited to how well we know, and and Vicente gets in a lot of trouble for this. So the coach obviously knows because he's calling him in to say, stop it, stop it. So they're up by 30 at halftime. And in that game, because the players like get told off, they win by only 15 points. So they obviously really took the foot off the accelerator in the second <laughs> yeah. half. But still they find... So no, no one's alert to this? No one's this alert stage. this stage. They got away with the first game. Well, the problem is it was so hard not to win. Like they were just so much better <laughs> that... They get lazy, so they beat Brazil by 56 points. <laughs> <laughs> they beat Japan by 67 points, oh, and they yeah. beat Poland by 30 points. Okay, it's getting silly So now. the tournament, they just blitz through the tournament. This sets up a gold medal match against Russia. Just teaches you that if you're going to cheat at anything, don't win by too much or you do start to attract. Draw unnecessary attention. Yeah, yeah the, one of the most interesting stories I ever got told when I in a previous job I was talking to a guy who's head of security for a big corporation. Yes. And he said that if he joins a new company and has to do, you know, like all the security measures and look into the company, first thing he pulls is the leave records for all the top employees and anyone who hasn't taken leave for years instantly becomes a suspect because people who are committing frauds don't tend to want to go on holiday because that's when they get discovered. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he said that so always could, happens. on the surface appear your most diligent worker who's committed the it's most. Really, they, they've got a system set up of it, whatever they're doing it. And the minute someone else wow. comes in and goes, oh, I better pay this invoice or better, they suddenly go, oh, hang on, this none of this makes any sense. I can safely say that this I a- won't be the target <laughs> of any attention around this joint. <laughs> no, you are the safest you're lucky, if I, you're lucky I turned up today. <laughs> So they're drawing attention, which is what you don't want to do in a fraud, right? You want yeah. to kind of be very diligent, but they start to do it. But the the temptation to block shots and dunk on people is just way too much for them. <laughs> One Australian coach who's coaching Australia in this yeah. uh, tournament, he suspected that many of the teams had a, at least a few players Borderline. who weren't intellectually disabled or more, even more. He said there were two or three players from both Spain and Russia. These are the two about to play in the gold medal game who could have competed in our National Basketball League, which I don't know whether he's bagging the NBL or he's... Andrew Gaze would be close to 70 (laughs) on the IQ. I reckon he he could possibly pay for our national team and and this team, if I'm allowed to say that. (laughs) I will. But But to me, that's the difference between systematic doping and doping. So say systematic doping is when it's state-sanctioned, right? But what you're talking about is saying each team might have had one, but they're lone wolf operators, right? They're oh. not saying we know he's way smarter than that. Oh, I think they are the one. Oh, oh they're you. just a blind eye. Uh, well, no, I think... Which would get you into the team, by the way, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> are you turning a blind eye or do you have a blind eye? I don't yeah, know. What, what can you... What is can it? you pretend to be blind? That would be fantastic. Here's an eye patch. Get out there. <laughs> So he said, this is the Australian coach, so what they did with and without the ball was way above what any of our athletes could have achieved. So he's saying right. just the gap between someone who is in legit intellectual debt and what those yes. guys were doing, just they could tell. And the Russians, you know, they're used to bending the rules in international sports. Yes. But Spain's cheats turn out to be better than Russia's cheats <laughs> and they win the gold medal 87 to 63. So Vicente's plans worked. Yeah, it got a bit tighter. 
The Sydney Spain's work, Spain had won the gold medal. They're on top. Sydney turned out to be Spain's most successful Paralympics across the board. They finished third on the medal table, winning 107 medals overall after Australia and then Britain. So it's a wonderful story of success for Spain. Oh, and I they celebrate like it's a huge win. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they were like literally. Oh, wow. Isn't I'd that, like to see footage of this game because it sounds like it would have been a cracking standard. Oh, for, well, you know, just for what you'd be expecting. The Paralympic athletes, though, often point out that they don't really get much media coverage. Right. The problem for this Spanish Paralympic basketball team, they win, they're all happy, and the problem after their victory is the daily Spanish sports newspaper, Marca, decides to run a big picture of the team <laughs> on the back of page, like okay. a full big picture, and they're all smiling and celebrating, even though they've just done this sure. run, horrible thing. Yeah. And, of course, back in Spain, people reading Marca, they recognise the players and they kind of some of Hang these on. people know go well i dated that guy he's emotionally <laughs> disabled he's not intellectually disabled he has many problems <laughs> he's an alcoholic and he's yeah yeah, he's yeah okay. lost his license and he's done this but he's he's a relatively needy i know he's needy, <laughs> he's needy. but i don't know if he's intellectually <laughs> he's <super> handicapped <laughs> <laughs> wow. Questions are being asked. So there's a bit of readers start leaving comments under the online version of the article going, hang oh, on, and it starts to a be second. a bit like. So rumours start swirling that something's not right and word gets back to the team in Vicente in Sydney. Yeah. Just be careful. There's a bit happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, but you don't trap a mastermind like Vicente. No, no. Easily. What's he do? He advises the players to wear hats and sunglasses so they won't be recognised at the airport yeah. on their return. <laughs> Put this ice cream container <laughs> on your head. Put this fake mustache on. <laughs> yeah, you wear a cap with antlers. Yeah. So you, he, he oh, says, well, is... there's one picture of you on the back, but if we put, you know, sunglasses and hats on when you go through the airport. So now they're disguising me, themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's hard for people this to is the greatest fraud in history. <laughs> have dumbed it down to win the gold. Now they're disguising themselves to get how, out of the country with the booty. How funny is how every fraud always has a sunglasses and hat stage and how quickly people get to that. Like almost every single one. Oh, wow. So they do this because I just think the minute you down to the sunglasses and hat stage of you the plan, it's game yeah, over. It Amazingly, the rumours die down. No media picks up They're on They're getting it. away with this. And they've got away with it. And Nothing from the other coaches or teams at this no, stage. This it's stage, all Spanish Yeah, it's all, it's all that. And with the Paralympics, people, unfortunately, unlike, you know, the Olympics, they don't turn to dwell on it for, you know, you don't, yeah. you know, not, not many people could say, oh, I remember when Australia won the, this in the Paralympics. 24-hour, 48-hour news yeah, cycle so it sort of, we move on. It sort of yeah. moves on fairly quickly, right? And the focus moves away. Vicente's seen as a guy who's once again delivered an incredibly successful Paralympic team has come third on the medal tally, Get even some though kickbacks. it's in another thing. So, well, suddenly the, another boat, the money comes another in, house. another house, another Porsche, you know, it's all there. And he's got away with it. This is like blood diamond money, though, really, isn't yeah, it? it? This well, is how despicable this whole pursuit well, is. Yeah, but the thing I would think is it's sort of like, it's exactly the same as the Olympic movement, how they all get rich off that. Because there's this thing, and I think it comes out of either a lack of knowledge or the thought of the Special Olympics of, these are all these sort of sad people we need to look after and have pity for. Yeah. Where the Paralympians are just hardcore athletes. They, they go. They up. just full on, right? So they don't want any, you know, so there's the, the, just exactly like the Olympics. It's just created an industry 
Yes. And we have to do a podcast on Olympic corruption at some point. Yeah. And FIFA Ethics Committee Even is my favourite <laughs> organisation in the world. How they sit with a straight face sometimes. Is- I know, because I think even Olympic officials look at FIFA and go, no, hang on a second. <laughs> You're ruining it for everybody. Tone it down, guys. Yeah. I always like hello, N- everyone. Enjoy Qatar. <laughs> I always like the um, NRL Integrity Unit is another they got their hands full. Very great one. So there's a bunch of them like that. that 24 hours a day, they're working. It seems that they've got away with it. So it seems like it's done, it's all over, everyone goes back to their lives. Retire. Except that day, one of the players, that day they land back in Spain. If you tell me, is this a whistleblower? One of the players packages up his uniform, his gold medal and money he'd receive while I'm sitting, he mails them to the Paralympic headquarters in Bond and that's how it shows up. And you'd think, you know, is it guilt that's got to one of them, that one of them has finally gone? You'd hope so. You know, yeah. what we did was not good. Yeah. Well, anyone who's run a business knows that you want to do your background checks when you employ someone yes. pretty well, sure. right? Like it's easy to check their CV, but you often want to ring around and ask mm. people who might know them in the industry or something. Right. You want to be thorough. Which is why I've got five aliases, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> good luck. You know, you really want to do that because you don't want to say like, hire someone to fake being intellectually disabled to defraud the Paralympics (laughs) only to to find out that they're an investigative reporter. Oh, no. Because that would be be embarrassing, right? Originally, this whole thing was... Yeah, so when the word went out, can we get people, and it went out sort of thing, one of the problems they had... I mean, it is a sad world where you can't hire someone to defraud the Paralympics and take their word for it. <laughs> How dare you? Um, I trusted you. Yeah, I trusted you. Yeah. I believed you. I gave you a chance. We were all in this together. <laughs> so this guy is a guy called Carlos Ribagorda, who is one of the 10 players who fakes the impairment and goes through it. Ribagorda is an investigative journalist and he'd been invited to train with the team five months out from the Sydney Games and he immediately sees the chance for a scoop. So rather than blowing the the lid at this point, he goes, I will try out for the team and see if I can get on it and do it. And it'll... Then we've got a big story. Then I've got a huge story and I can prove they did it and everything. Rather, they can deny it at that point and say, no, no, you got to... It was through a, you know. He turns up to training. He gets asked through a contact of a contact. I think he's a bit vague on how that happened to just not give that away, but... He shows up to try out for the team and the only things he had to do were six push-ups and have his blood pressure taken, <laughs> which I think even you and I could almost do. I'm in. Where's my gold medal? <laughs> no IQ test, he says. They don't care about that. But I think the six push-ups is weirder. In what, a row? Like, why six? <laughs> like, what's the point of asking someone to do six push-ups? Like, yeah, it's I not guess. a high enough number to be... No, prove anything. Doesn't prove anything. You're alive. <laughs> Your thumbs work. Like, yep, that's well it. done. Next. <laughs> so I love that. This is a quote from River Gorda. He says, There were five months of training yes. with not a single disabled person in sight. The two genuinely disabled people came from outside Madrid. He reveals this later. He says, As he trained, he began to wonder what was motivating the men around him, you know, like the others who were doing it. Yeah. He thought to himself, They can't all be doing it for a journalistic scoop. <laughs> Which creates this scenario that I love. The idea yes. of imagine this all happened and then we found out all 10 were journalists thinking they all had a scoop. <laughs> and that was the only reason it happened. 
But he's lucky, the timing of it. So he's an investigative journalist, he's doing it. But what if someone had busted him before he got to write the story? Well, that's right. Like, and then he goes, no, no, I was a journalist. I was always writing a story. Yeah. No, you're not. Of course you're you are. You're just over here. <laughs> Of course you were. <laughs> so he begins to wonder what they're doing and he's sort of looking around going, this is amazing. He said, aside from the money, he said, I think people saw it, one, as a free trip to Australia. You're sure. They're getting paid. But there was also, he said, weirdly, some pride in having the Spanish team strip. Like, I think these guys started to live out some of their fantasies. sporting fantasies that suddenly, you know, they're doing it, which is amazing to me because I just can't see why yeah. that would. But it just shows the human ability to rationalise your behaviour on any level. Um, he keeps in touch with his editor um, by email. The of, paper knew he was doing this yeah, all Yeah, so along. his editor at Capital, which is a Spanish finance magazine, mm. he has been talking to him all through it. And once the gold medal's secured, they decide we're ready to write this tell-all story. Um, but they were under no illusions of the, the scale of this story like because they knew... Just as Vicente knew that by winning gold medals, you actually weirdly helped the Paralympic movement. Yeah. Money came in, which meant more money for grassroots. Your Honour. But there was a weird truth to that, right? Like uh, as much as it's horrendous, like, you know, success brings in more money. So there was some truth. I get that. it. Yeah, well, it's you're right. It's very it's, hard. It's very hard. But they also knew on out. the flip side that writing this thing saying the Paralympics is corrupt, uh, Ribbergorda had learned over there, not just in the Spanish team, he thought it was pretty widespread, that this would blow up the Paralympic movement. So he knew that it wasn't, you know, in some ways they felt bad. So they preferred the headline, Fraud at the Paralympics, as well as the front cover of the magazine. And it outlines not only the cheating at the Sydney Paralympics, but it outlines the Spanish team cheating at the preceding World Championships in Brazil and the Iberian Cup in Portugal. Is it contained to basketball? Very In the main on this one, but it has big flow-on effects because there are suspicions in other sports too. He laid out how Spain had deliberately recruited athletes who were not intellectually impaired to win medals and gain more sponsorship. He criticised the IPC for complete lack of checks and claims some athletes... Hang on, there's six, six push-ups. <laughs> how dare you? But this is all about how thoroughly you're intellectually disabled, yeah. the IPC, the yeah, Paralympic sure. Committee, is just not even asking yeah. countries. They just go, I'll take you on your word. Sure, sure. So he bags them as well and he criticises the lack of any checks about this and, and he claims that some athletes in other categories such as track and field, table tennis and swimming were also neither intellectually nor physically impaired. So there's just a Oof. bunch of people competing at the Paralympics who shouldn't be there, basically. It's incredible. So he goes on this. He says, of the 200 Spanish athletes at Sydney, at least 15 had no type of physical or mental handicap and they didn't even pass medical or psychological examinations. And then he says, it's not limited to Spain. If you think it's limited to Spain, he said, sure. I couldn't believe it when I was told that the whole Paralympics movement was a farce. Um, the editor, Carlos Salas, says later that printing the story was one of the most unpleasant exclusives <laughs> I've ever published in my yeah, life. Oh so the fallout wow. of this is that Vicente begins protesting his innocent. He says it's very sad, but there was no bad intent. Straight so away. he's acknowledging he did it? He, or? No, he's, first he starts off by saying, I didn't know. There was no, I had no involvement in checking the medical records. I'm I just upset about it, this I as you I took it are. on the word. I'm as... But the pressure all is building up. So he's forced to resign. He keeps trying to protest his innocence. He says, if someone wants to cheat, it's difficult to detect. It's easy to pretend you have little intelligence, but the opposite is difficult. 
<laughs> right. So Vicente is moved. The IPC, the International Paralympic Committee, they then say, well, we are in trouble because we haven't put any verification on the individual country's checks for this. Yeah, right. But they don't really want to be in trouble for it. So they try and blame it all on Spain, like one right. bad apple, yeah, you know, it. doing that. So they say it's only just one sport. It was just the Spanish team. That's it. There's no more that we need. Totally to trustworthy this. otherwise, yeah. yep. But the pressure keeps coming because you need to put in the checks then. So the IPC's next decision in December 2000, they just ban all intellectual athletes from the Paralympics. Well, they that's just, a poor result. They just go, none of you are allowed to be Like it's their anymore. fault. Yeah. Like they're the untrustworthy. Yeah. All the athletes, you know, like um, Siobhan Payton, who's a six-time Australian gold medal winning swimmer, says, I can't understand why athletes such as myself must pay for the sins of a few Spanish basketballers who tried to cheat. We've done nothing wrong. And there's Correct. a whole outpouring of this that you've punished the wrong Every, people. Yeah, yeah like yeah. two people sped so we all can't drive cars anymore kind of thing. Like it's that <laughs> overreaction. Yeah. But the IPC has been so embarrassed that they just go, nah, and they're not confident in their system. So they decide it's all too hard. We're just not going to do it anymore. Um, it's all over. And so they don't let them come back, I think, until 2012. Okay. So 12 years in the wilderness for all these athletes. And what's the criteria now? What is, What's changed? Well, now how, there's a much they... more rigorous... You know, is it still up to individual it. countries or do they no, have to? No, I think the, the IPC also do checks and to, everything too. So it's much more. Do they have to fail an exam, basically? Instead of passing on, you have to fail this one? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I failed. Well, like you said, you have to enjoy Big Bang Theory and a few things like that. <laughs> then you're in. Um, that's the main thing. Can, how many episodes can you can get you through? Watch? It takes even longer, 13 years for Vicente and the various players to face court. Vicente's found guilty of fraud and he's fined. Wait for it. It's a big number given he's got a oh, five well, million pound uh, boats, money. Five houses. $7,729 Australia. Oh, wow. Not much at all, right? And let that be a lesson to you. Yeah. He has to return Australian $203,000 roughly of um, government subsidies that the Federation previously received, which is chicken feed in the it's store nothing. of this. When he pleads guilty to this after earlier protesting sure. his, to get this deal, all the charges against the players are all dropped. They never faced. They go about their business. Yeah. So basically, they get a slap on the wrist, but the other athletes all get twelve years in the wilderness. It's incredible. And the thing about this story—that's life. That's that it. is that's, how life always that's works. How like, every it's like, inquiry, it's like the banking every inquiry, every banking no ba- inquiry, everyone goes broke, yeah. no bank yeah, yeah, yeah. jail. Yeah. Well, the, the interest rates go up, and they get bonuses. Yeah. It's like I just don't understand how no one's held to account. Yeah. There. I just need to go and watch this game now. I want to go and watch the Russia-Spain gold medal match because I bet you it's going to blow me away. And and this was, to me, the moment when I heard this story is I realised all you need to cheat, like it used to be like you'd think people would cheat for money or glory or fame or mm. all these sort of things. All you need to cheat in life is people and something to win. And that's all you need. That's the only <laughs> conditions. Like, to be able to do this is like, there's the lowest of the low element too, but you want to just go, why? Lying and cheating is generally a sign of intelligence anyway. So You know <laughs> what I mean? So you, you're actually proving how smart you are. Yeah. My God. So it just shows you there's nothing, but it is one of the most amazing things. But, you know, the thing about someone being an investigative journalist hired if it hadn't been for that, 
He, they he, probably would have got away with it. It's a funny one to embed yourself in, though, isn't it? You could be like a wartime journalist, <laughs> or you could be you know, fight financial. You can some massive fraud on the people. Yeah. Nah, I am going to spend a year pretending to be disabled. And he played mentally, the gold medal game. And go- it goes all the way through. There should be. Is there a movie of this? Been, Come on. There was a movie that someone did. I can't remember who it was, but it was sort of based on a story like this. Starring Dustin Hoffman, Sean Penn, everyone from, who's all. From Jackass was in it. So there has been. Johnny Knoxfield. Those guys, they'll struggle to hit 70, <laughs> 70 on the IQ. They'd be perfectly cast. Oh, they could no, play these I guys. I know, they could play it. But it just. It just shows that there's just this level of thing that just go. People will a documentary. We need to do. I know how you could we need find to go and find people. this. You know, like jo- the Jordan documentary, but it, it, with the same gravitas. Yeah, but interviewing guys who pretended to be disabled <laughs> and have them talk seriously they, yeah, about. They talk really like they talk about the games. Yeah, I I knew you. I was open. What from that yeah. point? What was your greatest moment? Or well, when we. Uh, Cut our lead from 50 to 17, and we did it in a half. And like, <laughs> what? What am I watching? Well, well done. Titus, you've go. done it again. Everybody, please go and research that. You'll find that to be 100% true. It feels unbelievable. But that's the Olympic spirit. <laughs> Thank you, Titus. If you'd like more Sports Bazaar, things get even bizarrer. Join our membership program, Bazaar Plus. Very easy to do. Just follow the link in the show notes for this podcast or go to bazaarplus.com to join Bazaar Plus, our membership program. Cheers.